This is Dating Ourselves, the podcast that talks everything 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. I'm your host, Adam, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Brian and Paul. Actually, Adam, Paul is not here with us. Oh, uh, is he like getting a drink or something? Should we wait for him? Um, no, I, I, I don't think he's coming. Ding! Ah, actually, I just got a text from him. It's <laughs> <So lifelike. laughs> <laughs> Apparently, he was recruited by Starfleet, so he's going to be on the USS Enterprise, and... Oh. Oh, no, he, uh, apparently is a red shirt. Ooh. That's, yeah, that's that good. So, uh... Hmm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thanks for, uh, the overshare. Um, <laughs> well, uh, since Paul isn't going to be with us tonight, or potentially any other night, um... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, why don't we decide to talk about something else? Maybe a shared life experience. I know that's not something we've done in a while. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, what do you say? You want to talk about concerts? That's something we both love. Concerts? Yeah, sure. That that would be fun. Cool. Yeah, let's let's dive into it. Um, I guess before we get started, if anybody wants to hear any of our other content, you can find that um, on iTunes, Google Music, TuneIn Radio, and our website, www.datingourselvespodcast.com. Basically, anywhere that you find your podcast. That's true. Have you found any podcasts lately? I did. I actually found mine under the hood of my car the other day. Really? Yeah, I was trying to stay warm under there. Oh, gotcha. So it's almost like a squirrel in the winter. Yeah, yeah. yeah See, I it thought weird. it was more like the can of oil from Tommy Boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> it was just hanging out there, just keeping the latch from closing. <laughs> Good stuff, good stuff. Cool. So, we're... so I guess, uh, well, you and me have seen a lot of concerts together, so I say we talk about that, and then uh, let, let's say we limit it to bands that we've seen together from the 80s, 90s, 2000s? Yeah, that sounds good. And then from there, um, if there's concerts that we've seen individually that fit those time parameters, we can always bring those up too. Although there's yeah, a lot absolutely. of lot of stories involved with some of these concerts, so this is true. Yeah, it may take a while to get to the you know the honorable mentions. So, but yeah, absolutely. Um, so, what what was your first concert, Adam? Uh, the first concert I ever went to uh, was either, I, I always get these backwards, uh, I can't remember which was first and which one was second. It was either John Cougar Mellencamp or Boys to Men. Oh. I know those were the first two concerts I ever saw, but I don't remember which order I saw them in now. Boys to Men I'm must have been sure. amazing. Oh my god, it was incredible. I mean, the, the whole show was fantastic, but then the last song that they did was some I don't think it was a song they ever had on any of their albums or anything it was basically just them rapping and like kind of a like more of a hip hop sound to it uh-huh. and the, I mean they had the speakers turned all the way up to 11 on on that one it was crazy it was so awesome <laughs> couldn't they just make 10 louder yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why would you do that when but, this goes to 11? But, but, but they go to 11, exactly. <laughs> so what about you, Brian? What was your first concert? So I think that my first was at the Allegan County Fairgrounds. And for those not mm. from West Michigan, it's just like any other state fairgrounds. 
Um, and they would do like different summer and fall concerts there. And I saw, uh, this would have been like 1997 probably, I saw the Backstreet Boys there. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So that nice. was... Uh, at the time, a really big deal. I was really excited about it. And I didn't know I was going until the morning of that concert. So I went to school, Ooh, like, thrilled nice. that I was going. Yeah. And then I knew most of the Backstreet Boys songs because I liked the songs. But because I wasn't a girl, I didn't know any <laughs> of the members' names. Um, <laughs> and there was a lot of people screaming and cheering for someone named Brian and I turned around and waved and it, it wasn't for me at all it wasn't for me at all so <laughs> oh yeah well, in your in your heart and mind they they were cheering for you yeah it was literally right after I stood up on the like the folding chair um, and like, we love Perfect. you Brian I turned around and it it wasn't for me. They look really right I love past you me. too, random lady. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, that's awesome. Now I, I know the answer to this, but we have to make sure that the audience knows this. So Alley and County Fair, Backstreet Boys, number one concert for Brian. Concert number two. Hit him, Brian. Oh, you're you're number two? No, you're number two. What the second concert you saw? Well, I saw, um, it was called the Mary Mayhem Tour, um, with Ozzy Osbourne, <laughs> Rob Zombie, uh, <laughs> Soiled, and a band called Mudvayne, which anyone who's into, like, that late 90s new metal sound will probably remember them. They were, like, a, a less good version of Slipknot, um, <laughs> and the whole set they do, I think it's, like, 10 songs and they're all super intense like very very unhealthy screaming and stuff like that and <laughs> mid set like probably seven or eight songs in the lead singer you know between most of the songs he's like you guys can hear you guys ready and this time he's just like how many of you here are here with your kids oh and <laughs> a few people are cheering like how many of you left your kids at home and then a bunch of people start cheering like well when you get home you make sure to give your kids a hug. There's so much <laughs> sadness and grief in the world. And, you know, kids at that age, they just need to know that they're loved and supported. Anyway, this next song is called Death Blooms. And then, like, they just went into a, the, the song. But it was, like, the weirdest, like, PSA about not, you know, neglecting your kids. So That's it was so really funny. weird. What a um, random, what a <laughs> random thing to say in the middle of the show. Yeah, yeah. So but, from Backstreet Boys, yeah. <laughs> so from Backstreet Boys to like Rob Zombie and Ozzy, it's I, I think quite a spread. Um. <laughs> yeah, I think that is one of the greatest turnarounds of all time. Like yeah, so, going going from everybody to going off the rails yeah. on a crazy train yeah. oh man it was a it was a really good show that was back um right after um uh, i'm trying to remember the name of the album was down to earth i think is what it was called um okay. it's got like a blue ish aussie skeleton looking thing looking kind of half crucified the song dreamer was on that oh yeah kind of like a imagine john lennon ish kind of song I'm trying to remember the there was a there was one song off of it that was pretty heavy. Gets me through, Here, maybe. Uh, Gets me through, I think. Yeah, yep. yep. Gets me through, yep. And then there was Facing Hell, Dreamer, No Easy Way Out, 
That I Never Had, You Know, Part 1, Junkie, Running Out of Time, Black Illusion, Alive, and Can You Hear Them? Mm. Nope, I can't. I can't hear them. Yeah, I don't have the sound on. It doesn't go to 11. <laughs> so, so what about you, Adam? What was uh, kind of your next concert? Um... Uh, so I think the, so those concerts, uh, Boys to Men and and uh, John Cougar, I think would have been like late nineties. Uh huh. Are are you a are you a John Cougar Mellencamp fan? I am. Yeah. I you know my uh, parents when I grew up like listened to a lot of like Springsteen and mm-hmm. John Cougar Mellencamp, um, Rod Stewart, stuff like that. So I kind of grew up on on that kind of. Sure, sure. That that version of rock, whatever genre you want to call that. But uh, yeah, so actually that was the first uh, show I think I ever had floor seats to, too. Oh, like nice. My par- yeah, my parents had floor seats to it and took me. So that was fun. Uh, that, was a, that was actually a really good show. I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, um, I'm not a huge Mellencamp fan. There's a couple songs of yeah. his I like, but a lot of them kind of all sound the same. Um, yeah, that's fair. That's um, fair. There's a handful of them I don't mind, though. Especially if you're talking about his like hits and stuff like that, like his big songs. You know, a lot of them do sound the same. But I've also heard like not that my parents like listened to much of his other stuff. Like they were really into kind of like the big hits and stuff, like most mm-hmm. people. Uh, but I had a neighbor before that like had a couple of his older CDs. And there was a track off of his first album that I would almost put into the category of like a progressive rock type song. It was kind of crazy. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Not would I never would have expected to hear that out of him. And I, I'll have to go back and see if I can find it, and uh, I'll show it to you sometime because it was really bizarre how like intricate it was for you know for a guy who normally is singing like. Jack and Diane and small town and small town and when the walls go tumbling down. Yeah, I do like that song. Um, And I like uh, authority song. um, Mm -hmm. And I always liked R.O.C.K. in the USA. But yeah, some of the other songs just kind of they kind of all sound a little bit the same. (laughs) That's fair. That's a a fair assertion for sure. Yeah, he's like the poor man Springsteen, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's That's a very good point. So. Uh, yeah, I would definitely categorize them very similarly, like kind of that uh, working class hero type yeah. musician. Yeah, because I like Springsteen and I like Neil Young and I like a lot mm-hmm. of other artists that are similar. But but yeah, Mellencamp just, with the exception of very few songs, and uh, Jack and Diane is one of those that I just cannot stand. I've just heard it too much. Kind of like uh, yeah. Paul with Christmas Story. I just <laughs> I just can't do it. Yep, yep. Although... Fun little piece of trivia. Uh, on Weird Al Yankovic's very first album, he had a song called The Buckingham Blues, which was originally supposed to be a parody of John Cougar Mellencamp's Jack and Diane. It was going to be called Chuck and Diane. So it was about Prince Charles and Princess Diana. Oh, nice. But apparently Mellencamp's people put the kibosh on that because at the time Weird Al was like an unknown artist entirely. So he changed mm-hmm. it from... Um, so it's more of like a blues song. So nice, yeah, nice. So yeah, outside of uh, Mellencamp and Boys to Men, I think I had a bit of a hiatus between seeing any concerts, and then the next concert I'm I'm pretty sure the next concert I saw also happened to be the first concert I ever saw with you. Oh, and that yes. was that that was completely 
accidental too, and that was Creed. Yeah. Uh, they they came to uh, Grand Rapids in like 2001, I think. For I think it was early 2002, like January yeah, or February. I th- I think you're right because it was when Weathered came out. Their their last album as a band came out. Yep. Um, and so I had gone with a mutual friend of ours, um, and we were like way in the back. Um, the arena in grand rapids that they came to is a like a hockey arena, hockey arena essentially yeah. yeah it was it like AHL, when it first yep. was created yep it was uh, ahl hockey and then they also had a arena football team there at the time called the grand rapids rampage and so so it was very much set up for like a athletic stadium feel even though they have a lot of concerts there and so so we were in the upper deck way way back like all the way in like straight back from the the stage and stuff and so so we're me and my buddy are sitting in our section and we're i think it was like maybe during the opening act which was tantric do you remember those guys yep yep (laughs) i know the breakdown yep yep like their only hit yep (laughs) yep one hit wonders i wonder why uh, so they were another we were... band that all their songs sounded the same too. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because <laughs> they had yeah. another song that we're... came out too, and I cannot think of what it's called. Right after breakdown, um, yeah, and it sounded like exactly, exactly the same. Well, I just tried to look up tantric uh, on Google, and it... <laughs> <laughs> poor choice. <laughs> it did. Uh, it did not give me the band. <laughs> I thought maybe Big Brother would have been listening and would have known that we were talking about music. So the one time that it's not. Um, Apparently Dave, the FBI agent, was slipping on his duties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, you, but, you were talking about where, you're, where uh, you and your buddy were sitting. Yeah, yeah. So we were I guess sitting, he's my buddy, too, if I'm thinking of the same yeah. person. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, you, you definitely know him. <laughs> Uh, so we were we were sitting in this uh, like you know probably about ten rows back in the upper deck and stuff, and we're sitting there and we're uh, listening to the band and stuff and you know I a lot of times I'll just kind of look around and see what's going on and stuff and I look and lo and behold like literally in the next section over directly across from us was Brian it was like hey yep. I know that guy <laughs> so, so for the rest of the concert we found like a spot by the tunnel where you came in like the entrance tunnel and the three of us hung out and uh listened to the uh the concert so that was officially the first concert i ever saw with brian and the first of many that we've seen together yeah that's true that's absolutely true um how do you feel about creed these days um so i i know i'm probably in the minority and i listened to them again sometime last year uh, for some reason, I had remembered a, something like one of their songs or something like that and uh, went on to iTunes and got a couple of their albums again. And so I really kind of like thought they held up pretty well to me. Really? Like, I was, really? I was, I was surprised. Like, I really still enjoyed their music, even though I know they get teased a lot online and get a lot of hate and stuff like that. I particularly enjoyed them and i think it could be a lot of it is i absolutely love mark tremani the guitar player yeah he is one of my favorites and i he's probably one of the best hard rock guitarists right now um you know playing with oh absolutely with miles kennedy and uh and alter bridge and everything i mean he's just he's just so fantastic 
Yeah, yep, and I, I've gotten to see them a couple times live, Alter Bridge, and boy, do they, he just shreds, and he, you know, it's, uh, he has a yeah, very different see, I, style uh, now than he did with Creed. Right, right. Yeah, and see, for me, if someone other than Scott Staff were singing on those songs, I think they'd hold up so much better. Yeah, that's fair. Because uh, the, the first album, I don't mind his voice too much. But then he yeah. like really leans into it on human clay and weathered, like just <laughs> yes, really like I'm covered in and it's like, dude, no one sings like that. Especially because when you hear him talk, he doesn't talk like that at all. Right. Where like yeah. when you hear Eddie Vedder talk, he's like, Hey, um, so this song's gonna be um even flow. Um, you know, he talks like a yarbler. Um yep. Yep. <laughs> where like, I don't know, I, I was never I never understood why he leaned into that so hard. I don't know. I guess he just thought it was that sound at the time, you know, that grunge, uh, like Eddie Vedder and yeah. s- stuff. So I guess maybe that was just a way yeah. for them to attract more listeners or something. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Because I would love to hear him sing those songs not using that voice. I think that... Yeah. Because I, I like Mark Tremonti as well, and I really love the music, especially the first two albums. Like, they're just so mm-hmm. solid, but... But well, but Scott Stapp's voice, I really need to take in small doses. And this is coming from someone fair. who loves, you know... King Diamond. King Diamond and <laughs> Billy Corgan and a lot of people that have their own unique qualities in how they sing. But yeah. um, <laughs> well, well, and what's so interesting with Tremonti, too, is back during the Creed days, they did a lot with, like, open tunings and stuff like that, that uh-huh. which is why you... Why you get that like such big sound of their guitar parts, even though it was just him? So, sure. like for the listeners, think uh, higher. That opening riff, the do 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 do. Like all he was doing on that was playing one string that he actually was like playing on, and then all the other ones were just open strings. Uh, it was, I think, open. Open D, I think, is the two. Yeah, for probably that one. D. Yeah, because the song's in D, so it's either open or, D or open G. It's uh, actually, I think it's technically, I think it's open D five because it's D A D D A D or something like that. Oh, okay, it's, interesting. Yes, yeah, so there's no no third in there. Yeah. Anyway, so that like that was really interesting, and he he definitely used that tuning again on the first Alter Bridge album. But since then, he's kind of gotten his own, like, hard rock style. Like, kind of, like Brian mentioned, they're more hard rock than Creed was. Yeah. And his style has just become so phenomenal since then. Like, their their first album, you can still tell, because the Alter Bridge, if you guys have never heard them, is Mark Tremonti, the guitarist from Creed, uh, the drummer from Creed, and the bassist from Creed, and then they added... Uh, Miles Kennedy, who is known for uh, Alter Bridge, he was in uh, what was that movie? Uh, Rockstar uh, with Mark Wahlberg. He was in Rockstar. Oh yeah, he, yep. he he was Mike uh, the Thor, uh, the guy who replaces him at the end. Um, and then he also was in uh, like he's in Slash's new band. Uh, yep, the Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. The is his backing band in that. Um, so he's unbelievably phenomenal musician, but, uh, that first album, when they hadn't gotten the lead singer yet, when they wrote it, you could still really hear that, that Creed sound to it. And then 
once he was a full-time member of the band writing their second album, Blackbird, you could really hear his influence on the band and how the sound changed and stuff. The first really big song off of that was a song called Blackbird, and it was so good that it still ranks as uh, one of the best. I think it still pretty consistently gets rated as one of the best guitar solos that's come out like in since the 2000s started like wow. so in 20 years it's the highest rated guitar solo that's ha- like come out it's i did not know that that's, in, that's crazy oh yeah it's i i mean seriously it's an incredible guitar solo and it's just so epic the how they build the song around it and the, mm-hmm. the tracking with it oh so good so yeah if you guys liked the music of creed but you didn't like scott stapp Give Alter Bridge a check out because their music is so good. And I, I tell you what, I've gotten to meet the guys twice. I've seen them in concert. I think I've seen them two or three times, and I got to meet them twice. Uh, the first time was when they were touring for their first album. So these guys literally were just coming off of Creed like three or two or three years prior to this. Wow. They had just been coming out of Creed. They were one of the biggest rock bands in the world. They were playing at a little club in Grand Rapids called the Orbit Room. And after the show, it's November, and they literally just stood outside next to their... They had a little guardrail, but they just stood next to their bus and talked to fans for probably two hours after the show. It's like 20 degrees out. And they were the most down-to-earth, amazing people. And I I got to talk to them again when I did a meet-and-greet a few years back for one of their more recent tours and they're still just the most down to earth. Like they are so easy to talk to and just the nicest guys. So like what I like about them is they're, you know, they're a great band, but they're good people and they have like an overwhelmingly positive message to their music. Like everything is so much about like, Hey, you know, everything's going to get better. It may suck right now and stuff might be bad, but, you know, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. There's always going to be hope sure. and stuff. And I love that because, like, as much as I listen to, you know, metal and all these different genres of music and stuff like that, I, you know, some things can get kind of gloomy and stuff. It's really cool just to hear a band that wants to put positivity out in the world. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And speaking of the cold weather, I'm pretty sure that Mark Tremonti is a Michigan native. So I think he, um, he may, have been, uh, may have been accustomed to the cold so this is true yeah actually alter bridge is the name of a bridge in detroit that he grew up nearby interesting interesting yeah i did not know that that's cool yeah he he lived in uh michigan and in florida if i remember correctly i think yeah because i think creed was founded in either orlando or tampa or something like that. yeah i think it was tampa yeah yeah so yeah, I mean that was a that was a fun concert going to see Creed, and it was the first of many that I got to see with Brian. And yeah, they they, de- they definitely got better from there. Like Creed was awesome, but we got to see <laughs> we've seen some cool shows together. Yeah, um, I remember one in particular. Um, we went to what used to be called Pine Knob. It's now um, the DTE Energy Theater or mm-hmm. whatever. It's an yep. outdoor amphitheater about 30 minutes north of Detroit. And mm-hmm. uh, we saw the Scorpions. Um, yes. So Rocky Like a Hurricane with uh, with Cinderella. Um, 
Cinderella did not age well um, musically. They, they were entirely underwhelming. <laughs> it was yeah. bad. Yeah, it, it was, was like watching bad. a cover band play Cinderella songs. It, you know, it's like it when uh, like, it's like when Charlie Chaplin got third place in a Charlie Chaplin lookalike contest. <laughs> yes. it, that's what Cinderella was like. It was just really, really like. Ugh. You almost wonder if maybe they did just replace him with lookalikes. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you look kind of like him. Go out there and sing. It's okay. His voice was shit anyway. <laughs> oh, but but the Scorpions were amazing. Yeah, as bad as Cinderella oh, man, was, they were so the good. Scorpions were equally as amazing. They were so good live. And like when we saw them, they were probably in their what sixties at the time. Do you think? Easily. Easily. Yeah. And they were still doing all the stuff that they did, like, when they were 20 and 30. Like, one of the things that they were known for was this pose that they would do where the two guitarists uh, and the bassist would all form kind of a bass with their legs. And then the singer would get up and, like, sing on their legs and stuff. They were still doing that at 60 years old. It was unbelievable. Yep, no osteoporosis for those guys. No, um, no, they've been drinking their milk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty amazing. And I remember specifically at that concert, there was um, somebody there, like a total stranger, another audience member that was wearing like a Three Stooges shirt, but they oh, were all yeah. dressed up in like 80s he- heavy metal garb, <laughs> like the fingerless <laughs> gloves and like the like leopard print sleeveless vests and stuff. But it was all Curly Mo and Larry. It was it was hysterical. And, and I actually have a awesome. picture of it somewhere on Facebook a million and 47 <laughs> years ago. But uh, but yeah, that was a really awesome concert. Did if you, you can go? find that, if you if you find that, you need to post it to our uh, group Oh, Facebook. definitely. Definitely. Did you go to... Um, Oh, I'm trying to remember what the name of this tour was, but with uh, with Blink-182 and Green Day? No, I didn't. Pop that Disaster was... Tour is what it was called, Pop Disaster. Yeah, um, I um, I feel like I was going to go or interested in going, and something came up at the last minute where I wasn't able to go. Same gotcha. thing happened. Same thing happened with uh, when Foo Fighters and Weezer came to town, and I missed seeing mm. that one. Highly disappointing on that one. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, but yeah, that to be fair, that one was for a good reason that I missed that. There was a band uh, that I used to be kind of friends with. Like I, I knew the members fairly well. Um, they were based out of Chicago, but they also were kind of partially based out of Kalamazoo, Michigan, as well. Uh, which is about 45 minutes from here. Several of the members had gone to Western Michigan University and were part of their vocal jazz group and stuff. So they had a pretty big following there. And so that was kind of their second headquarters. And uh, they they came to Grand Rapids the same night, and it was their first Grand Rapids show that they had ever done. So they were trying to get an audience. So, of course, I you know went there to help kind of build them up and stuff like that. And then cloned yourself four times. and you know. I, I did, yeah. It was just me hanging out there. It was kind of weird. I wonder what happened to those clones. They kind of ran off. I never... Hopefully they're not up to too many shenanigans. Boy. No, let's hope not. Let's hope not. We'll have to ask Alice Cooper and see. He probably knows. He knows a thing or two about clones. So <laughs> Yeah, no um. kidding. No kidding. So uh But after... yeah, the gr- Oh, the Green Day Blink 182 concert, I wanted to say yeah. real quick. Yeah. So Blink 182 had just released the Mark Tom and Travis show fairly recently around that time, which was their live album, and it was known for having these just ridiculous, like juvenile 
side gags between songs and stuff like that. Like it was oh, okay. almost like stand-up comedy meets jackass, but then they would play music too. Oh, nice. They tried way too hard at oh, the concert, no. like way too hard to be funny. Um, and it just didn't land well. Meanwhile, <sighs> the headliner was Green Day, I think. I don't remember, but Green Day like stole the show. Like they were just incredible. Um, And there was a part where Billy Joe Armstrong came out um, dressed like in the Christmas Story pink bunny costume, essentially. (laughs) And I don't know if he actually was or if he was just mimicking because it wasn't legal at the time. But he was definitely uh, pretending or actually ripping a giant bong on stage (laughs) dressed in a pink bunny costume. And then they invited someone up on stage to play bass and someone on stage to play drums for one of their easier songs. And the drummer, like, got to stay backstage with them and, like, hang out with them afterwards. And the guy who played bass got to keep the bass. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Or maybe it was, maybe he played the guitar and Billy just sang. I don't remember. But needless to say, he got to keep the instrument and bring it home with him. And it was, it was pretty cool. Well, and it's kind the, of rude that the uh, Trey Cool didn't let him bring his. Uh, the whole drum wait, set. No. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you just have the whole drum set. It's fine. I got, it. I got another one. Yeah, that'd be a real pain in the ass to get back on the bus. I'm sure, but. <laughs> um, but yeah, the opening band that night was supposed to be Jimmy Eat World, who I actually didn't see in concert oh. until 2019. Um, but instead, <laughs> they had a band called Saves the Day open. Oh, yeah. And yep, I, I had guys. never heard of them before that show and got absolutely obsessed with them for like 10 years. They were like one of my favorite bands for a long time. So I still mm-hmm. listen to them from time to time. But I but remember yeah. them having a pretty big following here in Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. like, I never personally got into their stuff much, not because I disliked them or anything i just never really came across their music all that much but man i remember so many people talking about them at school and you know friends of mine and stuff like that yeah Uh, they're real big in this area yeah they're from new jersey too so it doesn't really make a lot of sense why they would Mm. uh be so so big in grand rapids but um chris Connolly is another one of those voices that uh it's a acquired taste (laughs) Great range for sure, and mm-hmm. great expressive quality, but definitely, yeah, definitely different. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep, yep, yep. So, uh, speaking of like the pop rock genre, uh, one of the concerts I saw. So I mentioned earlier that I saw Alter Bridge mm-hmm. uh, at a at a small venue here in Grand Rapids. Well, that same week, I'd actually seen another concert at that same venue. It was like one of the few times I think I've ever been to two concerts in a week. Uh, but that one was uh, Sum 41 oh, and wow. Good Charlotte uh, co-headlining. <laughs> uh, yeah, very strange combination, but it was a fun show. It was uh, Sum 41 was touring for Chuck, which was oh, their yeah. kind of more hard rock, heavy metal style album. Because as they even mentioned in Fat Lip, they were very, uh, like, those guys grew up on, like, Maiden and Priest and that new wave of British heavy metal and stuff. So sure. the Ch- Chuck album was a lot more metal. Um, and then Good Charlotte at the time was touring off of their Chronicles of Life and Death album, their, I think, third album. Um, mm. But yeah, boy, that was a fun show. And what made me remember that 
was uh, you had mentioned the Tom and uh, what, what was the, oh the Mark Mark Tom and Travis show Mark Mark Tom and Travis show yeah so uh, at the Sum Forty One part of it they I think they played last they they were like the main headliner for that night and uh, they came on for the one of the last songs they did was Pain for Pleasure which is the last song off of All Killer No Filler mm-hmm. and it's this really cool like metal uh, song. It, it it's just a really neat song. It, it definitely made an influence on that one because there's yeah. a even even a part where they have the harmonized like, guitar, yeah, yeah, harmon- harmonized guitar solo. Uh, but what was and even like the the very traditional Iron Maiden gallop uh, mm-hmm. beat, like the mm-hmm. but uh, they came out for that and they had this really funny video where the drummer. Uh, came out in a butcher's outfit, and then they had a video that went along with it where he, like, was... Uh, I don't know, it was weird. He was, like, killing people and stuff like that with a butcher's knife. It sounds horrible. Like, it sounds horrifying, but it actually was really funny the way that they did it. But then, <laughs> but then like, when the screen went up, he was standing there in the butcher's outfit, like, behind the drum kit. And, or, no, actually, no, I take that back. He wasn't behind the drum kit on that one because he was lead vocals for that song. So he was out like at the front of the stage, but he was wearing the the butcher's outfit. That's awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. It was a fun show. I I really enjoyed that one. They've been uh, on my list as a band to see for a while, and they don't tour a whole lot anymore. So yeah, um, that's unfortunate. And uh, for a while, I kind of lost interest in in them because Dave was no longer with the band. Uh, Dave. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember how to pronounce it. Bak- Bakash or Baksh or whatever his name is. The, <laughs> I was going to say Coulier. The, <laughs> yeah, not Dave Coulier. That's a tough not one to pronounce, for too. sure not him. But the guy that is the main guitar player for them, yeah. uh, he was not in the band. But I just found out not long ago that he has been back with the band for like eight years, which I had no idea. Like, he was gone for, like, 10 years or something, wow. and he's back with him. It was weird. Yeah, I um, did not know that either. That's, uh... Yeah. I wonder if they're releasing any new music. I haven't even given them really any I, thought in a long time, but they were a band I was into a, in high school, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, actually, they had 13 voices in 2016 and Order and Decline in 2019. So they wow. had, two, yeah, two albums out in the last couple of years. Interesting. Did not know that. Yeah. Fun stuff. You learn something new every day, right, Brian? That's right. That's right. (laughs) Knowing is half the battle, so. Absolutely. So uh, what what are some of the other uh, concerts that stick out in your mind? Well, you mentioned you missed the Foo Fighters um, years ago. Um, So I've actually seen the Foo Fighters four times. Um and how's Bragging twi- Camp going? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm getting all my merit badges. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I saw them twice in Michigan and then twice in DC. And one of those shows, you actually uh, came with me uh, to. I did. It was like their it was the 20th or 25th anniversary. Uh, 20th and uh, 20th anniversary of the debut album. Yep. the the self titled. And that was probably one of my favorite concert experiences ever. Uh, it was just a cool situation. Yeah. Um, so what? So when me and Brian had initially p- planned on this, because at the time I was living in Texas, 
but I was going to be home for the summer, back in Michigan for the summer, and so we had made a plan for me to fly out to D.C. I would go out, this was, uh, the debut album was released on the 4th of July, and so the concert was on the 4th of July uh, that year, and so they had this big plan to have this huge festival at the RFK Stadium out in D.C., and so I was like, well, you know, why don't I come out a couple days early and I can hang out and we can go see the city and, you know, do all the touristy stuff Mm -hmm. and then we'll go to the concert. But we had bought the tickets separately because it was all general admission. So we just assumed you got like you got a general admission ticket and you could sit wherever in the bowl or whatever. So Brian and I get to the stadium and we we had gotten there like four hours into the because it was an all day festival. Yeah, there they was like eight lineup. or ten bands or something like that playing. Yeah, it was yeah. all day from like noon to ten or something like that. Yep, yep, yeah. And so the show was supposed to have started at like noon or something, and at this point it's like maybe four o'clock. And we had gone to some museums and stuff like that, so. We get there and we're like, well, you know, we'll just find a spot to hang out, whatever, and see, you know, what we see. Because we figured we had missed about half the bands at that point. Uh, And so we get there and we get to the ticket area and the guy's like, oh, uh, you guys are at the wrong entrance. And it was like, oh, I didn't realize there was a specific, like, spot. I thought it was just general admission. He goes, well, yeah, you're right. It is general admission, but you guys have floor seats. Yeah. And me, me and Brian looked at each other and I was like did you know you'd gotten floor seats? Because I had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) So so, uh, the guy nicely points us in the direction of, okay, you guys got to go down to this entrance to be able to get out of the field and stuff. And at the time, there had been a really bad rainstorm coming through. And there, I, I think, had been lightning or thunder or something like that. So when we got in, everyone was inside of the... Uh, the stadium that they weren't you know weren't out on the field or in the seats or anything because they right. cleared that area and so brian and i are sitting there for maybe like 10 15 minutes and it kind of clears up and stuff and the we can see on the screen they're like all right you know we're gonna start letting people back out in a few minutes and so we kind of make our way down there and we're, we get up to the area and it was like boy you know the, you know we can find a pretty good spot here so it was like well do you want to just like hang out up by the guardrail, yeah. Until the show start, because the field was all muddy and stuff. You know, it was still a actual turf field, not artificial or anything. Yeah, and the guardrail so was, was kind of stuck onto these like plastic platforms, basically. So yeah, we just kind of like stood on one of these. The yes, yeah, so we just kind of stood on one of these runners um, next to the guardrail. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you know, we'll see what happens when the bands start back up and then maybe we'll move spots or whatever and try and figure out where the best view is going to be. And so they start back up. People start coming back from the stairs down to the field. And we honestly couldn't be in a better spot. Oh, absolutely. Like it was a little bit off center, but at the same time, if there was any moshing or anything like that, no one was bothering us at all. We were far yep. enough over where that wasn't an issue, but we were also yep. like literally against the guardrail. Um, one of the artists that played that day was LL Cool J, and I yes. actually got a selfie with LL Cool J like right over my <laughs> shoulder. Um, yep. I mean that's how close we were. It was it was absolutely crazy. Yeah, and, and what a random thing too, because like we said, 
he we had no idea that we had floor seats, so we figured we were going to be up in the bowl of the soccer stadium, which would have been fine with us. That was cool. But, man, we ended up front row for this show, and it was, the, uh, like, some of the acts that played that day, because it was... This was when they were touring for the Sonic, Sonic Highways, Highways album. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so they had had a bunch of bands that like or uh, musicians that had participated on the album. Plus they had this documentary that they did because in e- each city that they visited during the album, they recorded a song. So they recorded eight songs in eight different cities. So they for this festival, they brought in bands that were associated with every one of those cities that they did and so we got to see uh we we missed like trombone shorty who's a jazz musician from new orleans that's yep. amazing um and i think maybe there was one other yep. like joan jett actor. We, we missed joan jett that's right we missed joan jett and the black hearts so i think um, she was the la um representative yeah yep but we got to see um trouble funk who was a dc yep like, like institution a, yeah like a go-go funk band they're amazing yeah yep uh, so we got to see them. We got to see Hart, who was phenomenal. So that that uh, oh yeah, Ann Wilson, Ann Wilson, just just incredible. Oh god, unbelievable. Yeah, uh, we got to see as Brian mentioned, LL Cool J. We got to see Buddy Guy and um, Quinn Sullivan, who at the time was probably like sixteen, seventeen. Yep, year old blues musician who is absolutely incredible. Uh, we got to see. Um, well, Gary, Gary oh Clark gosh. Jr. Gary Clark Jr. That's the one I was trying to think yep. of. Yeah, Gary Clark Jr. who's from Austin, Texas. Unbelievable uh, blues musician. I'm trying to think, was there any other ones that we saw that day? I'm trying to think. I I don't recall any others other than the Foo Fighters themselves. Um. Yeah, yep. <laughs> and so the, the Foo Fighters show was the very first one back after Dave Grohl broke his leg. So he had been on that hiatus, like a month or two hiatus after he had broken his leg and so this was the first one where he had that crazy throne that he had designed while he was high on Vicodin from, <laughs> from, <laughs> he told us the whole story when he was when he was at the show it was an absolutely hysterical story that he told like he's got a picture of him just jamming on the the morphine button or whatever yep. the pain reliever button and stuff he's like yeah I came up with this whole design while I was high and I gave it to the prop people and i was like yep you guys need to make that now (laughs) (laughs) it was pretty cool it had uh like a throne there and then a little place for him to put his leg up and then he had the uh like there it was kind of like the iron throne from game of thrones i was gonna say it's it's very much like the iron throne yeah i think it even had like guitar stuff in the back like it wasn't completely made of guitars like the right. iron throne was but i think they had like a some guitars plastered on the back of it to make it kind of look like it but it had the big foo fighters logo and then it had stage lights all around the outside of it and stuff it was awesome so cool yeah oh my god just just amazing oh, yeah, and, yeah and they put on an incredible show too oh they do yeah. and then as we were leaving there was fireworks because it was the fourth of july so that was yeah. pretty amazing too um yeah but yeah it was uh it was a really really crazy day and i don't think we could have possibly gotten luckier with where we watched the show from um than we did so well and it was funny too because it was uh one of those where like when we first got there like we said it was pouring 
And then by the end of the night, it was the best weather for a concert. It was like 75. Mm-hmm. Like the sun had gone down, so it wasn't too hot or humid or anything. It was like the best possible weather for a show after that. And that was oh, when we yeah. got to see all the big acts and stuff. So that was really cool. That was a fun show. Yeah. Yeah. Just amazing stuff, man. Um, oh, yeah. Any other shows that you can think of that uh, you wanted to share? Well, uh, one, I think that uh, was really cool to see. Uh, another one that Brian and I got to see together was Iron Maiden Dream Theater at the DTE Energy Center. Yep. Uh, that, yep. that same place that we saw the Scorpions at. Man, they still have so much energy, <laughs> Iron Maiden. Oh, yeah. It's un- unreal. Like Bruce Dickinson I mean, is doing like crazy jumping jacks while holding a union jack, <laughs> like a giant, giant flag and just yeah. like and singing at the same time and singing like yep. in very, very high registers. Yep. You know, and they had the giant robot Eddie. So for those who aren't familiar with yeah. Iron Maiden, it's their giant mascot. He's kind of like a zombie looking guy. And he came out there and the album that they were promoting at the time was Final Frontier. Um, so he's got like almost like a Kano type look to him where he's like part metal mm-hmm. and part zombie and the, you know, uh, Dave Murray and, and uh, Janet Gears are attacking him with their guitars and just, <laughs> just really, really amazing. And we had seen yep. Dream Theater before that, though. Um, yeah, we had seen Dream Theater in Chicago. Yep. Or, or Rosemont. The Rosemont Illinois. Horizon. Yep. 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 That, I, that's another band that puts on a great show. Um uh, you know they're they're just unbelievable musicians. They're if you don't know Dream Theater, they're progressive like progressive rock, progressive metal depends on the the album. era of yeah. their career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very very heavily influenced by Rush. In fact, their the band's original name was Majesty, which was the word that they used to describe Rush. So sure. yeah, very very tied into them and stuff. So they put on a great show though. So much fun to see live. Oh, absolutely. Um, that was a that was a really interesting day. We went yeah. uh, down. Um, so one of my roommates from college uh, lived in the Chicago suburbs. So we stayed with him and his family, and then we went with him. Um, and we actually got to meet the drummer Mike Mike Portnoy before the show. He was doing like an autograph signing at a local music store. Yeah. Um, but my other roommate and my brother came with us too. So it was the five mm-hmm. of us that went to this show. The roommate who came with us. Uh, really wanted to get geared up for the show. And so we stopped at like a gas station on the way and he bought himself like one of the big monster energy drink cans. And like the saw- double XL Yeah, can. the real big ones. Yeah, like the 20 ounce ones or whatever. And he, uh, he decided to shotgun it. And by shotgunning it, I don't mean drinking it really fast. I mean literally taking his keys, puncturing a hole in the side and opening the top and letting the vacuum of air push all the crap down his throat. So he was absolutely wired for Into Eternity and Redemption, oh, um, who were the two opening acts. I forgot and, about Into Eternity. That yeah. band was insane. Well, you know who their singer is singing for now. I don't. Iced Earth. Yes, okay. Yep, that, Stu Block now sings for Iced Earth, yeah. Yeah. And it's really, really weird because he like basically sounds like Matt Barlow now. He just decided, I'm going to sing like that. No. It's super crazy because when you listen to Into Eternity, he doesn't sound anything like that at all. Um, no, not at all. <laughs> but yeah, so, but, but yeah, by the time Dream Theater came out and they put on <laughs> eh, somewhere between like a 90 and 120 minute set, <laughs> he's like oh, starting to fall asleep. I, like, you guys want to go? It's like, dude, like they've literally played four songs. Will you chill out? <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, sorry, you're crashing right now. We're, <laughs> I've I've been waiting to see this band for a couple of years now. I'm not leaving. Yeah, yeah. Wake yourself up. <laughs> Speaking of uh, oh, the Rosemont Horizon, and I think Adam, I think you already know this story, but um, when my dad was in college, so in like oh, the seventies, yes. he went to go see Black Sabbath and Deep Purple play at the Rosemont Horizon. Um, what a great and, lineup! Oh Holy my god, cow. it would be it would be amazing, and apparently. The amps were so big back then that they actually had technicians walking in and out of them. Um, <laughs> and this guy goes into one of the amps and is like messing around with something. And uh, Glenn Hughes, I think, was playing in the band at the time. So he runs out there and he grabs a bass and he like slaps the low E string as hard as he can. And this guy comes out holding his ears, just screaming. I mean, like, <laughs> that like hurts his, so bad. His his eardrums just exploded in yeah, his own brain. Yeah, and he's like, I, I don't care, man. I'm high and shit. Like, it's the <laughs> 70s. I do what I want. So, um, yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. Um, so, speaking ahead. of, I was going to say, speaking of Black Sabbath, I think another one that we have to mention oh, that we yeah, saw together uh-huh. was the Heaven and Hell show at Cobo Arena. So, one, it was a great experience because Kobo is legendary. Uh, a, in a, it's an arena in Detroit. It is legendary. That is where all of the rock, metal, hard rock bands used to play. Uh, like uh, Kiss made it famous yep. with Alive, the Alive albums and stuff like Detroit that. Detroit Rock like, City was based on Kobo Hall. Yeah. So. Yep. yep. So I mean, legendary. And then on top of that, we saw. Heaven and Hell, who is Black Sabbath, but with Ronnie James Dio uh, as the lead singer. Yep. Oh my God, that dude has the most powerful voice in the history of voices. Oh yeah, yeah. And he's such a tiny little guy. Yeah, he's like five one, five two, something like that, um, and really thin too. But he didn't even need a damn microphone. Like, when he would sing, like, it would just, like, blow your face off your skull. And, yeah, just unbelievable. And the bands that opened were Machine Head and Megadeth, which are two bands that, like, really rocked the house. And they just didn't hold a candle to these old geezers. Like, they just rocked it, man. Um, Did you end up going to see them the second time I saw them, too, at the Metal Masters tour? I did not. Um, oh, again, I don't know. I probably had to work or something like that, but something yeah. came up where I couldn't go see them. Yeah, because they played with uh, Judas Priest, Testament, and Motorhead. Oh, um, and what I was a lineup. Yeah, and I was telling everybody on the way there, like, oh my God, Dio, he's just amazing. You're just, he's going to blow your mind when you see him live. And I have a, a propensity for hyperbole. Um, and so everyone <laughs> was just kind of like, yeah, okay, Brian. Like, yeah, okay, I get it. And then. They come out, and I think the first song they played was um, Neon Nights. And my buddy um, looks at me, and he's like, dude, holy crap. Like, Dio's amazing. Like, yeah, I know, I told you. Yeah, yeah, but I just figured you were being Brian. Like, he's really good. Oh, my God. You know? And this was probably within a year of his passing. Um, yeah. So, I mean, he had like full-blown stage two or stage three stomach cancer at that point. And to have that type of voice and projection, especially when you're of Dio stature, that's all abdominal and diaphragmatic strength. So, to have to do that every single day while dealing with cancer in that region of your body, I don't... The dude the dude is like all nads, man. Like, he, he's, yeah. he's, he's unbelievable. If, um, if you've never seen a picture of Dio... 
Uh, this guy was five four, maybe oh, five four. And, okay, yeah, at five, yeah, five three, five four, something like that, and probably like ninety pounds, soaking wet. Like he was not a big guy by any stretch of the imagination, and yet he has the biggest voice I have ever heard. Like it was insane. Like I'm sure this was you know kind of hyperbole and and over exaggerated. But there was, like, things I saw online before where it was like, yeah, Dio uses a microphone to dampen his voice because it's so loud. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a trumpet mute. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he just sticks it in it's his like mouth. We, we gotta quiet him down a little bit because he's so loud. Uh, <laughs> seriously, though, I mean, we were up in the upper deck for this show and, like, you could feel him singing. It was so powerful. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, um, were you there for the the Blind Guardian show as well? I uh, think so. I was, but that was at Harpo's. It was, it was. Yeah. So we used to go to a lot of shows at Harpo's, which is this little divey, almost like a disco type place. That's yeah, it was. It was an old disco uh, place, like a dance club. Uh, like I was just telling Paul about this last night. There were actually like three dance floors still in there like on three different levels so you'd go in and you were on the top level and there was a dance floor you'd go down the stairs and there was another dance floor and then you'd go down and that was where the like a dance area and then the stage for the the arena was yeah yeah it was it was very different than any other place i'd ever been for a show that's for sure and it's Mm -hmm. in um downtown detroit um it's in a oak K neighborhood, but it's kind of surrounded on all sides by not great neighborhoods. Um, well, what was weird about that area is it closed down, like the the area closed down before the venue did. So you like you were walking through essentially a ghost town. Like yeah, when that, that, were... that neighborhood would close down before the venue would even open. Mm-hmm. With the exception of there was a Little Caesars Hot and Ready on one corner, and then there was a a, a white peep castle. show. Well, there was that too. I forgot about the White Castle. I was going to say there's yep. the Peep Show um, that was there too. Um, oh yeah, I never went there, but I do remember there was a lot of um, people that lived in that neighborhood that would walk by all these like white kids in their black t-shirts, and they just like look <laughs> at them, and then just kind of go across the street, and then come out like ten <laughs> minutes later with a black bag full of whatever, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that particular show. Um, this was back in the days bef- when we had flip cell phones like razors and stuff like that so oh yeah no gps on your phone or anything like that so we're going entirely off printed map quest directions this show was probably it was between like thanksgiving and christmas so it was already dark by the time that we were heading to the show and we got off either an exit early or an exit late and i gotta tell you it was the eeriest thing i've ever encountered um yeah people don't really think about the scale of how huge Detroit is and how big of a city it was in the 1950s, like 2 million plus people living in the city compared to like the 600,000 that live there now. Um, but you get a sense of that when you get off at the wrong exit and there's literally nothing open. There's no one walking. There's no one driving. There isn't yep. trash blowing down the gutter along the side of the sidewalk. It's yep. like literally like the scene in a zombie movie when you're waiting for all the boards to pop off the windows and the zombies come in and rush you. And it's like, oh, okay. 
Time to get mm-hmm. back on the highway. <laughs> so, so this was probably like 2009, 2010 that we were going to this show. Well, it may have been earlier than that. It may have been earlier it, than it's that. It's possible, yeah. But um, I remember not too long after that, uh, when me and Brian both had moved to different states, uh, him to the Maryland, D.C. area, my, me to Texas, uh, right around that time I had seen a article where they had done a land survey of Detroit and they found that there was like maybe thirty percent of the city that they could have leveled and not displaced anybody because they were just ghost towns. And wow. we definitely we definitely found one of those ghost towns that night. And we also did. I don't know if you remember this, but after the um, Heaven and Hell show, we were with uh, one of Brian's old roommate's brothers, and we we're forced to take a detour that took us through one of those parts of towns. And it was like. Not a light on in the area. Nobody was outside. There was no signs of life anywhere. It was like, yeah, we're not supposed to be here right now. This yeah, is- <laughs> yeah. It was definitely, uh, definitely a sight to behold, to say the least. Um, Absolutely. You know, it, it's nice to see that there's a lot of improvements that are happening in the city mm-hmm. these days. But yeah, Little Caesars Arena and all that. But back then, it was, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah, that was a cool place, though. We got to see some pretty cool shows there. Uh, there, there was one band from the 80s that we uh, saw there. It was kind of an awkward situation. So we had gone. There was this festival lineup that day, and it was like, uh, God forbid. And then uh, the the final band, like the main band, was supposed to be Arsis, but they didn't mm. show up for some reason. I forget why. But then the the other band that was there was an eighties hair or not hair metal, uh thrash metal band. Yeah, uh yeah, Death like, Angel. Death Angel. Yeah, Death Angel. It was like I guess these guys were supposed to be like Metallica status before Metallica hit it big. Like they were gonna be the big uh thrash metal band that like brought it to the masses and stuff. So God forbid goes up, they're playing this crazy show. At some point, it's announced that Arsis isn't going to be there, and so Death Angel is going to be the last band to go up. I mean, this place was wall-to-wall packed during God Forbid. (laughs) Death Angel comes out for their show, and there is me, Brian, probably four or five other people that we had traveled there with, and maybe about four or five other people standing there watching them play, and that was it. And we left pretty shortly after their set started because it was probably like midnight at this point, and a lot of us were still heading back to the west side of the state after that. So it was like, you know, we won't get back till three in the morning. Yeah, it was really Boy, crazy was because, yeah, like everyone that was remaining, because we were probably, I don't know, 23, 24 at the time, everyone else that was there was like 40. Like when they were 22, 23 years old, they were listening to this band for the first time, like in the eighties. Mm-hmm. So it was very weird. <laughs> yeah. A lot of a lot of beer guts and receding hairlines, and <laughs> one guy putting in a lot of eye drops over and over. <laughs> yeah. Like... Oh my god, I forgot about that. That's hilarious. Yeah, that was a oh. that was a good show too. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think what other shows there are that um any other ones that you can think of that you want to share. Well. The one other one kind of briefly mentioned earlier that I think uh, I, I need to mention is seeing Springsteen live. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, I was I was not there for that. Yep. Oh no 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 yeah that that one me and Brian worked together for this one was in uh, Houston and I went and saw him. Oh my god, can that guy still put on a show? Oh, yeah. unbelievable. He's he's the, the boss for a reason, man. He is. Yeah, I mean he's seventy something years old or late sixties, early seventies now, and that dude can still rock. It's oh, if you get a chance, if you like Springsteen's music, go see him. It is a great show. You will not be disappointed. What about you, Brian? Any other ones you wanted to mention? Well, um, so this last summer, there just happened to be a lot of really good 90s bands that were on tour. So I went to go see um, at, you know, there's an MGM casino in National Harbor, Maryland. Um, I saw The Gin Blossoms and Collective Soul. So that was really amazing. And then... One of my all-time favorite bands from like age 12 on is Third Eye Blind. So I saw Third Eye Blind and the opening act was finally Jimmy Eat World. Um, Nice. So I saw them at Meriwether Post Pavilion. So kind of a similar atmosphere to like a uh, DTE Pine Knob outdoor amphitheater kind of thing. So um, that was really, really amazing. I was super impressed. Like even because I had listened to the first two albums of Third Eye Blind a lot. Um, at one point, I knew how to play like their entire first album on guitar. Oh, um, nice. It's been a while since I practiced most of those songs. But, you know, even the songs that they played off of like their third through 44th albums, you know, um, <laughs> I'm exaggerating a bit, obviously, but um, a lot of the songs I'd never heard before, and they were still like very engaging and, and got me really like pumped and connected with the with the show. Um, yeah, nice. I saw King Diamond a couple times. Um, oh yeah, he, he's amazing. You know, I mentioned the 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 Metal Masters tour was really awesome. Um, I saw Eric Clapton. Um, that Ooh. almost didn't happen. The first time we were going to go see him, he was playing at the Palace of Auburn Hills, the former arena where the Pistons used to play. Yep. And we went to uh, the University of Michigan to pick up some friends. And we all got in the car together. We all started driving up. And this is once again before you had internet on your phone. So someone actually called one of the guys in the car and was like, hey, just so you know, the show is canceled. Eric Clapton has a sore throat. So apparently he played oh. in Grand Rapids the day before. He went fishing and then the weather kind of turned and he got like a really bad cold. So this is like September or October. And mm-hmm. he had to reschedule basically after basketball season because all the other dates were filled with either basketball or, you know, other concerts, conventions, mm-hmm. all that stuff. So he ended up coming back in April. Uh, <laughs> but what a great show. And he played with um, Robert Cray as well. Another really Ooh. great guitar player. Phenomenal voice. Um, probably one of my favorite voices from that era in terms of uh, blues singers. Now there's a lot of guys like J.J. Uh, Gray and Mofro and Hosier. Mm-hmm. And uh, who's that yep. guy that you saw a couple months ago, Adam? The guy oh. with the really crazy mane of hair. Yeah, so uh, this guy is one of my favorite musicians currently. Uh, young kid, his name is Marcus King. That's uh, it, Marcus the, the King. Band, yep. The band's called the Marcus King Band. If you like blues music and especially like just great like rock and stuff like that, check him out. He just had a new album drop in January. Uh, it's called El Dorado, and it's his first solo album, and it was produced by Dan Auerbach, who's the 
kind of frontman for the Black Keys. Mm-hmm. Hands down, one of my favorite rock albums of the last few years. Like outside wow. of like outside of like hard rock and stuff like that, it is unbelievable. It's got such a great mix of like blues and old soul. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So there are two other concerts I wanted to bring up real quick, and then I'll let you mention any other ones you want to, and then um, then we can kind of start wrapping things up. One of them was System of a Down, and um, oh yeah. What's their name? The Mars Volta. They were, uh, the Mars Volta, for those who aren't familiar, is kind of a weird, like, esoteric, like, it's almost as if you had, like, Freddie Mercury singing for, like, Incubus. I don't, it's a really, really crazy mix of stuff. And they got booed off the stage, basically. Really? Yeah. So we had, I had some friends who then later saw the Red Hot Chili Peppers either later that year or the next year, and... Once again, Mars Volta was the opening act, and they were like, yeah, last time we were in your like, shithole of a town, we got booed off the stage. Um, <laughs> so uh, they've played on a really great show, but they were just so different from what System of a Down was going to be. Um, and that was actually right. the night that they filmed uh, their Hypnotize music video. Yeah. So I was there for that, and so somewhere in that big audience mob thing, I'm out there, and they had like helicopter shots of downtown Grand Rapids and stuff like that for that song. And yeah, I was, uh, mm-hmm. I was there for that. So that was, uh, that was pretty cool. Yeah. The last concert so, I wanted to bring up. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say, uh, before I forget, I there, remind me when you're done that there's a story I have to tell about one of the concerts that I mentioned earlier. Sure. It, it's a really funny story. Definitely. Definitely. The last one I want to bring up is there used to be something at the Jackson County Fairgrounds in Jackson, Michigan called Rockapalooza. I feel like there's probably okay. 50 different Rockapaloozas, like one in every state, if I had to guess. Yeah, sounds about right. So this was like a music fest that was basically all, at the time, this was like probably 2011, maybe, and it was all like, you know, kind of like the emo screamo bands mixed with like, late 90s early 2000s like one hit wonder alternative bands um so oh, like 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 rehab question mark was one of the bands the overall <laughs> headliner um this is the reason i bring this up was puddle of mud and oh, nice. um the lead singer he was kind of known for having a little bit of a like a kurt cobain sort of voice and uh having some kind of sexually explicit lyrics and things like that well apparently earlier that day so the Eric Clapton story reminded me of this. Um, when they were like getting ready for the show, they like tuned up all their guitars, checked their levels, all that stuff for the sound check. And it's like, well, we got four or five hours before we play. Let's just screw around in mid Michigan. So somebody they knew had an ATV and he went out like riding on it and it tipped over and fell on him. And he oh, like gosh. cracked like four ribs and still went on with the show and oh. it was terrible. It was awful. Like, he couldn't sing at all because, like, every time he would try and breathe, like, his ribs would poke against his <laughs> lungs. And it was just awful. Oh, Saliva was the other headlining act. So, oh, click, wow. click, boom. Yeah, so a lot of bands that were like, yeah, these were cool, like, 10 years ago. And that was already 10 years ago now. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, those are the last two that I kind of wanted to... To mention, um, did you have That's any other funny. concerts um, that you mentioned that you had uh, yeah, a story I have a from story, one of them? Uh, so th- this will be my last one, but 
Uh, going back to the Alter Bridge concert, I went to uh, back you know when they first came out. So they they were the headlining act, obviously, and then they had <clears throat> two opening acts. One the the very first one was a band called Submerse. They never really made it big, but their guitarist was phenomenal. He was a student of uh, Mark Tremonti, had a very similar style of guitar play. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. And he actually plays in uh, Tremonti's solo band now. Uh, But then the middle act was a band called Throwdown. And they were hot... They were hot garbage, uh, especially live. I'm like, so glad you brought Throwdown up. <laughs> so they they were just terrible. They were not good live, and and even I don't think they really had any popular songs out at the time. No. Uh, but but uh, so we get to the show. I was with a friend. Get to the show and Submerse comes out and they blow everyone away like. I, I don't think I've seen such a mad dash for like merch and stuff after a show. Sure. Like they they killed it and they were just coming up uh, as an act. Uh, then Throwdown comes out and I mean I've never seen a, a crowd so cold before. Yeah. Like, there was no response to the band at all. Like I don't even so, smoke, but I'm going out for a smoke break. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna pick up smoking just to get out of here for a little bit. So. The, the funny part of this happens during the throwdown set. They had a song called Disco. Okay. It was horrible, just like the genre. Um, <laughs> and so they have the song, and so they're they're playing and stuff like that. And then in the middle of it, uh, you you can kind of see some movement behind the amp stack. And the I think his name... Dang, I'm blanking on his name now, but the guitarist from Submerged all of a sudden comes out of the amp stack and everyone loses their mind. Uh, no, I take it back. It wasn't the guitarist. It was the lead singer. And everyone lost their minds when he came back uh, out because it was like, yes, we get to hear him sing one more time. And you see the guitarist from the, uh, Throwdown look up and his face lights up like, oh, man, they're really digging this song all of a sudden. Yes. <laughs> and so he starts playing his head off for a second until he realizes that the lead singer from Submerged is on. And then all of a sudden you see this deflated look as he realizes that the audience is going crazy for him. And then he just kind of hunches over and turns around and faces away from the audience. Probably like wipes <laughs> away a tear. <laughs> it was so funny. Oh my gosh. That, that, I, the friend I was with, the two of us were in tears. We were laughing so hard. That is amazing. <laughs> no, Throwdown I have seen so many times in concert, like opening for other bands. And they always are underwhelming. Every time. Oh, seriously. Um, <laughs> there was, so one of the first like real metal concerts I went to, because as I mentioned, I've seen a lot of like Ozzy and Priest and stuff like that. But this was uh, In Flames, Nevermore, Evergrey, and oh, Dark yeah. Tranquility. And the bands I was most excited to see were In Flames and Nevermore. Um, and the opening, opening, opening act, so the very first of five bands was Throwdown, and they sucked, and apparently Jeff Loomis or somebody in Nevermore was not feeling well and had to cancel their set, so to give fans their money's worth, Throwdown came out and played a second set 
after Evergrey. Um, and I was just like, why the hell is this cool? Like, this is not cool. Like, the best song they played was a Sepultura cover. Um, it wasn't even their song. So um, it was just so stupid. And then the other story you reminded me of with people on stage that weren't supposed to be. You remember when we saw Heaven and Hell at Kobo and that guy yeah. jumped on stage? Yes. And then like security tackled him. Like he's trying to like get a high five from Dio and stuff like that. And then after the song ends or like during the guitar solo or something, he's like, ladies and gentlemen, that is a jackass. Yeah. <laughs> You're not in showbiz. Get the hell off the stage. And well, when I saw him again at Metal Masters, he was like, last time I was in Detroit, how many of you were at that show? Yeah, you remember that knucklehead that jumped up on stage? <laughs> I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Dio really held a grudge on that guy. Dio holding a grudge does not surprise me at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Huh, um, it's like he did that for part of his career. Imagine that. Imagine that. <laughs> um, oh but yeah, I think gosh. that's basically all the stories. I, I have a like a spreadsheet of all the bands I've ever seen, where I saw them, all that stuff. Um, I wish I would have done that. That's a good idea. I'd highly recommend it. It took a long time to put it together, um, um, but definitely worth it. And it's on the Google Drive, so realistically, hopefully nothing will ever happen to it. As long as Google's around, I'll have it. So, mm, I don't know. Google, Google's uh, still kind of an up-and-comer. They still might go under. <laughs> yeah, this this interwebs <laughs> thing, the, the, these Electronic males are, are all new. Um, yeah, it's, it's a fad. It's not going to last. <laughs> uh, well, I think that's about all we have for concerts. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Please email us at, um, you know, dating ourselves podcast at AOL.com and share some of your concert stories. We'd love to hear about them. And on a future Absolutely. episode, maybe we'll uh, embarrass you a little bit and share them. Yeah, or if you share them on uh, Facebook, maybe we'll uh, comment and talk to you about your stories yeah yeah absolutely yeah facebook instagram uh we do the twitter thing too but i don't think oh, any yeah. of us is ever on there um so but you could you could try you know you might catch us on an off day but uh yeah. anyway wanted to thank you all again for joining us on dating ourselves and if you like what you heard there's more to come you can check us out at www.datingourselvespodcast.com to learn more about us and the show and you can also check out our Contact Us tab if you'd like to submit your own nostalgic boogers. You can send us your submissions at datingourselvespodcast.aol.com. We've got mail. <laughs> yes, we do. And apparently boogers. <laughs> um, you can submit your you know nostalgic topics too, but, but boogers as well. Um, yeah. Mm. In addition to nostalgic iTunes, boogers. Yeah. <laughs> They're the ones that are like under your seat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, in addition to iTunes, you can also find us on TuneIn Radio, Google Music, and wherever you find your podcasts. Please be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any of the, am I doing this right, Paul? Throwbackion? Yes, you are. <laughs> ding, ding. I just got a text. He said I did it right. <laughs> <laughs> so realistic. Oh, wait. My phone's on vibrate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go with Paul here and say we post additional content on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Dating Ourselves Podcast. If you're on Instagram, you can find us at Dating Ourselves Podcast. And we can do the Twitter thing, too, at Dated Podcast. And remember, if you're too old for Snapchat and too young for Life Alert, you've just been dating. Bye, guys. Later. Later.